Welcome to Ripstop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Ripstop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. Hey everyone, welcome to Ripstop on the Record. I'm Jameson. And I'm Isaac. Isaac, I wanted to formally and publicly welcome you back to the episode, back like you never left, and say thank you for your service. Uh, uh, <laughs> glad to be back. Thank you, <laughs> you were for gone your for, service. You were gone for three weeks serving the country, and I'm just glad that you're here in the office again. Yeah, one of those was vacation, so I was serving myself. That's fair. Yeah. Well, you need, to, you need to serve you to be better to the country, you know? Yeah, it's all about balance. Yeah, amen. Couldn't say it better myself. Okay, uh, so this episode, we are talking with Josh Stein, R&D coordinator at Hyperlight Mountain Gear. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about both his personal side of what that looks like, as well as kind of how things work at Hyperlight Mountain Gear, which is kind of sick, because they're a brand you see at REI, and yeah. It's a cool conversation. Uh, all that to come, but first, a uh, few of the things that you need to know. So new products are coming out or are out already, like this hat I'm wearing right here. It's our MYOG hat from Boko Gear. Uh, Honestly, it might be sold out already. It might be sold out by the time you hear this. Uh, if it is, we're probably going to order more then, because if they're selling that well, then we'll get more. So go check it out online. Check this hat out. Uh, we have two roll-top dry bags. One is already sewn and finished. We did an exclusive one for Trail Days that we're now selling online as well. And then we have a kit. Really cool pattern. It's like a mountainscape. We don't have one with us, but go check out our new tabs there to see that as well. And stay tuned for a teaser. But on July 19th, we'll be releasing a new apparel fabric. Um, this is one that Carter and I have been working on for quite a while, a long time, um, probably a few months, more than a few months, several months, <laughs> several <laughs> at months. least it's been like 10 uh, months, <laughs> several few couple months. <laughs> so we're super excited to release that and, uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. Yeah. I'll give you one hint as to what this fabric is. Um, I think the word I'm going to go with is amphibious. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Let it let that ruminate. As always, uh, check out the YouTube video if you'd like to watch us talk to people. You can see that there. Otherwise, just keep listening here. And uh, yeah, like, comment, and rate. Review. Yep. Uh, subscribe. Share. Yeah, onto the episode. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, so we're here with Josh. Josh, welcome to Ripstop on the record. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, super excited. Yeah, so to start out, actually, what is your, uh, what is your title again? Uh, I am the research coordinator for R&D. Um, nice. That sounds like you know, fun. Which, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's a funny title. It's not funny. It's like just <laughs> very, my job is like income is just so much more than I think what that kind of is. So it's just. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. A title is weird that way sometimes where it's really nice to have a succinct title. And then at the same time you say it sometimes and you're like, Hmm, that lays flat. Like I wish that's, <laughs> I wish that said a bit more. <laughs> right. Right. So, so being the, uh, uh, in R and D yeah. naturally you're on the podcast, you're a maker of, of sorts. Uh, how did you get into making? Like what was your first foray into sewing gear? Totally. So I, uh, <clears throat> kind of like, dove down the ultralight rabbit hole in 2019 uh 
in prepping to hike the AT in 2020. Um, and then in that, like, I don't know, that winter, I kind of started to explore the options of like making my own stuff. There were a lot of like really cool ultralight and like fairly like more simple designs, which is like what was so awesome about them. You know, they weren't overly complicated um, that I was like, oh, you know, like I could probably try that out and see, see how it went. Um, so I actually like utilize you guys, obviously, um, and the RMYOG subreddit uh, to just kind of like learn more about it. Uh, ended up buying uh, Stephen Jones's um, or the bag buff, the mountain fire, and then his like, you know, uh, so long tutorial, which was like so, so, so helpful. I mean, yeah. that really just kind of like broke that wall down, which was awesome. Um, and then for like other stuff too, like I utilized uh, Tim from um, learnmyog.com. Yeah, which again, like he was an awesome, like free resource too. And then I ended up buying a couple of his patterns in the beginning as well. Um, got super into it. And then I was supposed to hike the AT in March and then COVID happened. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to double down. <laughs> so I just ended up making backpacks for like six months <laughs> nice. while like working obviously full time still, but it just kind of, it kind of consumed me, which was great because it was like an outlet. So I wasn't like super sad about not hiking, but that's kind of, you know, how it went. What, uh, what kind of machine were you using? Did you start on like a, an industrial or? Totally. So I used a, a Kenmore. I can't even remember what the, what the model was, but, uh, it was my grandmother's old machine. Nice. Um, it was like all metal internal, uh, pieces, which is awesome. But, you know, you're trying to cram, you know, a layer of uh, uh, webbing and then fabric and then three-eighths inch foam and then spacer right. mesh. And, like, you're jamming the presser foot down with a ruler and, like, hoping that the, <laughs> the stitches catch. And, like, half the time they don't. So you're just, like, so frustrated. Um, but, yeah. It was it was so it was it was a good experience. Right in. <laughs> Build character. With, with backpacks, which I love because that is totally – the same boat that that i was in where i had an idea of like i want to jump and make i always say around here like people don't dream of making like a zip wallet they dream of making like a backpack or a tent or something big was that your first time sewing was that backpack uh no i think i had actually um i had gotten or downloaded uh one of the learn myog i think it was the fanny pack pattern and i ended up using like some like scrap felt that my like mom had uh and did that which like i was like okay like you know this kind of works and then i end up buying a couple yards of the hex 70 uh nylon from you guys which like was like that was like an adjustment because it like stretched a lot and like in cutting i was like oh man and then like <laughs> sewing it together i was like well this is obviously something that i need to Take get more account. used to yeah, exactly. So it was it was it was an experience, but it was it was great to uh to have all that the whole, you know, process. Nice. Do you get to do much making on the job now at Hyperlight? Like do you get to end up you want to end up on a sewing machine much? Uh yeah, uh I honestly yeah, I do. I think like that's like a unique thing about about working here in, in R&D. Uh we are like actively like making um 
prototypes. I mean, we also have like access to the shop outside of work too. So like there's been plenty of times where I'll like make like a, like an alpha fleece or whatever, you know, a duffel bag or something. Um, awesome. Yeah. I, I think like, I wouldn't say half the time, but like a good 25% of the time I'm, I'm on a sewing machine, which I really like too, because that also helps just like dial in like the, the building process and all those steps and stuff like that. Um, yeah. That's super sick, actually. That's kind of that's kind of cool. Because like one question I'll get to later, because I want to talk about hyperlight some and uh, hyperlights on this really interesting cusp of like post cottage to to not corporate, but like whatever post cottage is, where it's not a one man show, <laughs> but it's really cool to envision you. I mean, because not that you're the face of hyperlight, but in this podcast you are somewhat representing them. It's cool to imagine oh. there's still people behind the machine there. Uh, Cause I mean, you, it's, you don't normally see stuff in REI and think that there are people behind that. Like we see Gregory and, and Deuter and like all these pack companies and they're like, yeah, it's cool. And there's like 3 million people back there and like they're whatever. Um, so it's cool to imagine people still like ripping out prototypes on machines in oh, Maine, totally. uh, which is, which is really unique. I didn't know that about hyperlight at all. Yeah, no, uh, it's definitely like also one of my favorite aspects of the job. And I think everyone who's in the R&D room too uh, would agree with that. Um, just like the hands-on nature of it, which is something that like, I like really value in a job uh, and just like in my personal life, just like building stuff with my hands rather than just like, you know, staring at the computer all day. Uh, yeah. It's awesome. I, I, I love that, that part of it. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Good. Uh so let's uh, let's chat a little bit about your education background. Uh, you're in R and D now. Um, mm -hmm. You sew a lot. Did you kind of go to school for this, or did you not go to school for this? <laughs> what? Tell us a little no, more about it, that. Yeah. So it's like it's funny. I uh, I went to school for environmental and natural resource economics. Nice. Uh, okay. Mouthful. Basically, just like you know, an economics degree, which was hilarious because everyone in economics is like oh well you can like do anything you want with that and it's like okay cool like, but like what 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 is that though you know yeah. uh so i got a job um in portland uh for uh just like a startup there and then i wasn't super happy with it again kind of like staring at the computer all day and just when i made the decision that i was like i want to hike the at this was in 2020 um and that didn't necessarily work out. So because of COVID, you know, as that goes. Uh, so I ended up staying along for a little bit longer and then hiked the long trail. Uh, and after hiking the long trail, I came back and was just like looking for jobs just to like hold me over till the next year. So I could hike the AT in 2021. And I ended up seeing a listing for Hyperlite. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I'll just like throw my name in. You know, I made a couple backpacks here and there. So like whatever. Um, and they ended up giving me a job on the production line, which was cool. So I ended up doing that for until, until March of 2021. Um, and I was like, Hey, I'm going to go hike the AT. And they were like, Oh, that's like, cool. Like whatever you need, like we got you. And I was like, well, you know, I like made a backpack and you know, I'd like to make a tarp too. And they're like, Oh, well, okay. Well, that, that's really cool. So I ended up getting like brought up to the, uh, uh, like the office and people pick my brain and stuff like that. And then the rest is kind of history, I guess. Yeah. One thing led to another, huh? Yeah, no, I, uh, it's like one of those things where I like never in a million years could have planned it out the way that it, I did. I remember talking to my buddy Spencer and like, 
being like, should I take a job at, at the post office? Just cause you know, it's like a, I don't have any commitment or should I just like, yeah. you know, roll the dice on this. And I'm so glad that I did <laughs> because obviously like I'm here now, but uh, very thankful um, for the opportunities. Like, yeah, very thankful. That's really cool. Yeah. Super cool. Um, so we've kind of talked to you about your job a little bit. Uh, you get to be on a sewing machine. Super cool. Uh, what would you say is like your number one favorite aspect of your job? Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, definitely like working with my hands. Um, I think that's like one of the biggest things for me. And then the other thing is too, like, I'm like, unfortunately, like gear obsessed. Uh, so it's uh, like, yes. it aligns very well. <laughs> um, Aren't we I all? I have more backpacks. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have more backpacks and tents and all that stuff than I, I know that I should have. Uh, and, you know, the occasional like gear closet purge like does happen, but unfortunately justifying things is a little too easy for me. Um, but but like being so close to, to like this, this like activity and like, uh, community, I guess that I'm like so passionate about, uh, it's really cool to like be able to be a part of like a company that makes for that. Uh, so yeah, no, it's yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's two aspects that I want to, uh, talk about here. There's like, I want to talk about like your like Josh's preferences and stuff because I'm really interested on like what a like a mainstream gear designer if if you will what like what interests you and what you see, uh, but I also want to talk about like hyperlight side of things. So let's start with the, the hyperlight side. Earlier you talked about R and D and testing and stuff like that. Uh, I kind of want to talk about the process of design. Like uh, hyperlights come out with a couple big products recently. Um, uh, I mean the schema pack is a fairly big one for you all. I mean it's not something that many people in like the ultralight industry well i mean it's definitely ultralight but this season i guess you hear a lot about through hikers and stuff so the schema might be not someone that a ton of people are popular with and then also recently uh the one person shelter um so you guys have some cool stuff so what can you tell us about the process of design that you all take at a huge level where you're making you know a lot of people we talk to are making 50 100 couple hundred uh total of their packs they're not making thousands like you are what does that look like Totally. So, I mean, like, first and foremost, like, we do a lot of, like, you know, listening, obviously. Um, and I think, like, a ski pack is something that people have been asking us at, like, at shows for, like, years, you know. Uh, a lot of people had used the Porter pack before that. Um, and then we had previously offered a ski mod of that backpack, which is basically just the Porter, but with, like, fully woven Dyneema side panels um just for that extra abrasion resistance so like hearing that we were like okay like we know we got to do it uh we want to do it um so we ended up consulting like these experts luckily like cody townsend is like huge into hyperlight which was really really cool um crazy to like be talking to him because like two and a half years ago you know i'm watching the 50 videos yeah uh great um, great video series by the way for anyone listening, go check out the 50 project yeah, no, they do. They do some awesome stuff. Um, him and Bjorn and, and their whole team. Um, yeah, amazing to work with them. Um, but yeah, so we, we talked to him and then a couple other people who are like close to the Hyperlite, you know, uh, family, if you will, um, just to gauge what they would want in a in a pack, and then basically just apply that to to the um, the pack or whatever the tent. Um, 
basically just take their their insight and feedback, um, make something, and then just send it out for testing. Um, yeah, uh, that's more specific, I guess, for the uh, the ski pack. Sure. But how do you balance? So how do you balance the notes from pros and from average people? Because that's something I've noticed a ton, and why I like MYOG is that like there's a lot of gear out there that's designed for. I mean, like Cody Towns is a pretty good example. Like he is one of the best ski mountaineers that you're going to find. And like a pack that he would use, there will be similarities, but like to a person that just wants to go uh, ski uphill at their, like at their little resort, then ski down, but want to have the option of carrying some stuff. Like those are very different things. How do you balance that? Cause like the median users, not Cody Townsend, but it's important that Cody Townsend have that pack as well. Totally. Totally. And I mean, I think too, like, um, I think it goes for like a lot of just backpacks in general, especially like you see like, uh, like Arcteryx and, and, and Patagonia and stuff. And a lot of their stuff has like this, like aspirational, like if they're working yeah. with, for example, the North face, like summit series, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. that aspirational, like this is the like creme de la creme yeah. of like whatever outdoor wear. Um, so I think like it, it, there's a delicate balance between like designing specifically for that person. Um, while also like applying to like, you know, whoever's just taking right. tours or laps or whatever. Um, so I think to do that, we, we definitely design for like, or in that example, we like designed for Cody um, or like people like Cody, I guess. Um, but like in testing, we'll like obviously have him test it and some other like uh, more intense people, I guess, test. But I also like to get stuff out to the people who are just like, taking laps and stuff like that because you can get a lot of insight from people who everyone has different perspectives yeah so it's great to get the insight of like that full spectrum versus mm -hmm. just like the hyper focused because there's so many people who'd be like oh no like well what if you had this like that would be really nice and you're like oh like that's actually like a great idea like i can't believe we just you almost get tunnel vision if you get yeah. too hyper focused you know I could also see like the the pro side of that being like I have this specific way that I like to attach this specific thing to my pack, yeah. whereas the average user is probably like, yeah, just throw it on there, you know, however it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and and it's funny though too is that like there's a flip side of that yeah. because like we've talked to like to Cody or like some other people who are just like, oh no, like I don't really think about that, I just kind of make it work. Whereas like sometimes you'll have like the more general consumer who's like maybe more entrenched in like how typical backpacking or whatever has been. So it's like very interesting to hear how everyone's opinions and like uh, preferences and stuff like that, like kind of clash or line up or whatever. Yeah. Um, really cool. Which is cool. So another, uh, we mentioned another big product that you all have released is the, the one person shelter, mm. which we got to see at trail days when we met you and hung out with you. And uh, we were, sitting around that or standing around that tent and chatting about it. And there were some really cool design features that, that we talked about. Um, so just kind of give people the pitch of, of how you all went about designing that shelter. Obviously one person shelter is really needed. I'm sure it's been asked for a ton. Totally. Uh, but what about totally. the behind the scenes part of designing that? Yeah. So uh, I mean, like we've, we've kind of like felt that a one person tent is something that's like, has been needed. We agree with that totally. Um, people have been asking for it for a while. Yeah. Uh, and you know, me and a coworker, we actually we separately had both gone and done the Colorado Trail last year, and we're like, well, this would be a great opportunity to like, mm. you know, 
to like take this out. So we actually got a chance to like test it ourselves for like an extended period of time, which was awesome. Great that the company let us do that. And very, again, very thankful uh, for that. But um, it's, it really comes down to trying to figure out what makes the most sense like for the hyperlight customer and like what also makes the most sense for like the to like stay true to hyperlight you know what i mean um because we could absolutely just like we probably could have made it a touch lighter if we had skimped on a couple things um but we wanted to make sure that it was going to last the, the the build quality was going to hold up and all that um and it was going to perform too especially like in you know not ideal conditions on trail you know uh, which obviously like that's like the goal of any time yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah we wanted to like make sure that that was kind of locked in and we utilized a lot of uh testers out in the pacific northwest um and then also in like tasmania i mean we got to test it all over the place which was great um but yeah i feel like that's a kind of a pretty interesting aspect of being a post cottage company as you put it jameson uh just building these these products with dcf for kind of a a mass audience right like when you're building these things for yourself then you realize okay dcf is a super material but you kind of have to do things a certain way and like you have to be a little more careful about what you set your tin up on and things like that whereas Mm. in your case josh you're y'all are building things for uh, a general audience and they don't necessarily have that like laser focused amount of care, I guess. Totally. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to, I mean, if you're like deep into the, in the trenches of ultra light and stuff like that, like you, you very like, you know, okay, like these are the positives of each yeah. fabric, you know? Um, but again, like, we we sell our backpacks in REI, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh So just just anybody oh, can, you know, find your backpack and be like, Oh, this looks cool. I'm gonna, you know, tie it right, up exactly. to my bumper and drag it behind the car. Oh yeah, they're, they're like, Oh well, you know, we've seen people who've like checked a bag in like TSA on the for the plane and which I would never I would never recommend doing with any backpack. <laughs> no. But uh you know, all of a sudden it gets caught in the conveyor belt and, you know, straps get ripped off or whatever. And you're like, well, you shouldn't check your backpack. Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, if there's any advice I have, put it in a duffel bag or, you know, a, a cardboard box, yeah. but just don't check your backpack. <laughs> yeah. Something that we talk about a lot here is the fabric application triad, which we uh, call like price durability and weight and normally mm-hmm. you can choose between you have to prioritize them but you have to figure out which one's going to be at the top for you all like do you go through something like that where you have to balance if you're going to go with the lightest thing versus the most durable thing and, and if so how do you do that or uh we'll get kind of more to dcf later specifically but right. when you're going through panel design and hardware and stuff like that how do you decide if you're going to go lighter versus more durable versus more cost effective or or whatever it is totally i think uh it really just comes down to like we have our own like i think you call it like triad it's like ours it's uh durability uh weight and like water resistance waterproofness basically um so those are like the three big things which i think is like where we kind of 
strive to hit that whatever you know the happy middle middle ground medium whatever um i think we've been like really laser focusing on like how to shave off those like extra grams where you can you know what i mean um rather than just like dropping down fabric weight or like reinforcement sticker weight or the size just kind of seeing what makes the most sense for whatever the application is and and where it's like actually acceptable to 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 cut the weight and where you might want to have a little bit more so yeah what are ways like would you have tips for people that are making gear at home of ways that they can like shave grams a little bit here or there just i mean generally speaking yeah it's yeah i mean there's it it's it's hard that's like a hard it's hard to have a blanket answer for that because it's so dependent <laughs> on like what you're doing yeah um yeah. i think like yeah you can shave you can shave a lot of weight i don't even want to say a lot you can shave weight by using different fabrics it really depends like on a tent if you go from like a a, a 0.8 dcf to a 0.51 dcf fly you're going to save depending on the tent anywhere from like an ounce to three to five whatever you know what i mean on a backpack, if you're going from, you know, six ounce VX twenty one or whatever six point three ounce VX twenty one to like five ounce DCF, or even to like you know, whatever two point nine two DCF, like the weight savings is like not as because you're only using a yard of fabric, so it's not as significant in the long run. I think like especially when it comes to backpacks, in order to to shave weight, you need to look way further than just fabrics, you know? Um, it's definitely plays a part, but I think construction itself. And like, if you have extra foam in it or, yeah, you know, extra straps, extra hardware, it's all plays a part. <laughs> so tell me if this is something that I'm allowed to say, we can take it otherwise. But when we were chatting about the tent at trail days, you mentioned how you all used, um, a narrow tape and how that saved a ton of weight over time how'd you guys end up there because that's uh, something that granted not the most experienced but i was like damn that was that was simple why didn't i think about just using a oh, more totally. narrow tape to save some weight <laughs> totally yeah um i think especially too like in the past like our tents have been like super heavy duty not super heavy duty but like they've been designed to like withstand a lot um sure. at, a, at a like a a really great weight i mean especially like when the mid two came out like i was truly an ultralight shelter and it really struck that balance of you know, weight, durability, water resistance, obviously. Mm-hmm. With this tent and going to a lighter fabric um, and the design choices we, we chose, um, we decided that we were able to to go with a narrower tape. Um, it's not like significantly more narrow, but we found that, that, that it had plenty of adhesion, um, especially where the, the stresses are. It's more of like a um, along the seam versus like a shear. So yeah. Um, I think that was really it. I mean, it, it was just like an idea that, that we had one day. We were like, well, what if we just went narrower? Well, yeah. Oh, like that. There's no issues. Yeah. Cause I think you and I started chatting about that. Cause I mentioned like some of the TNT tape. I was like, Oh yeah, they gave it to us like an inch and a quarter. And for like, you know, mm. it was really bulky, like pack seams. And you were like, opposite of that actually i'm like holy smokes this is such a good idea like normally it's easier to like do like a flat felt it's a thick it's a big seam and like inch and a quarter like uh money 
and then the opposite effect like oh my gosh like there's probably so many ways that we can do that i mean like we talk about all the time like get narrow webbing first of all right. like, you don't always have to have huge webbing on your pack depending on what it is obviously like other ways right. that you can kind of like narrow it down to still good effect oh and and it, it it is actually like very surprising the amount of like weight you can save just by trimming off unnecessary adhesive yeah. and like you know whatever tape backing it's like you're like there's no way and then you're like, well, I guess there is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, no, it's funny. What would you say is the hardest thing about designing gear? Personally, uh, I think like, especially like coming into this industry from, from like an outside perspective, I never realized like what it actually took to not just like design a backpack. Cause I like mocked up like a, sure rough pattern you know but like to design a backpack that is then going to like be like heavily tested by like many different people with many different like you know uses and purposes yeah. and stuff like that and then like bring it to the market like that whole process it's almost like building it is like the easy part you know um but uh it's just there's just so much more to it than i never ever would have imagined and then for me like the hardest part is when you like you go to release it and now it's like under the microscope of everyone yeah. and it's hard to like be like okay no like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna read the comments you know <laughs> even though like overwhelmingly like super positive sure. you know there's like always the one and you're like oh yeah you're like i could just i could have just not read that <laughs> 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 but uh i would say like that's for me personally like not to like make it into a joke but like that is that's kind of the hard part is like letting this thing go into the wild um, and then have it be under the microscope. Yeah. Cause you, uh, uh, this is a equal parts question and statement, even though I'm probably going to say it more like a statement um, for you. <laughs> it's probably similar to like, if you're just making a pack at home where like there are endless number of additions that I would make to things that I've, or that would add to things that I've made. But like, you don't, like when I, when I finish a pack finish, I'm going to show it to Carter and Isaac. I'll show it to my wife yeah. and then it's probably going to live in a bucket for a long time. I might use it. No one on trail cares. No one on trail notices that it's homemade mo most of the time. I've had like, you know, a handful of people like, where is that from? Oh. Like they're really nerds, but like no one's going to critique it. And I'm just going to make a new one in like six months. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm just going to well, add that thing that I didn't like, but you don't get that chance. You can't redo the pack that you've released. Well, right. There's like a, there's a point where you like have to let it go. Um, yeah. but it's funny. Cause like I've talked to, uh, Nash who, who's an R and D as well. And, and Tim, um, and we've all like kind of made our own gear outside of work and, it's like a running joke. It's like, well, no, like what's the best pack in the world? And it's like, oh, what's the next one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because so you can never, like I've, I've never been like, and it, again, too, it goes back to like my like gear obsession that unfortunately I have. There's so many different perfect packs for different things mm -hmm. that it's hard. Yeah, It's so hard. <laughs> It's even uh, harder to try and explain that to your significant other, you know. Yeah, who, who oh, yeah. Oh, I need these though. <laughs> who doesn't share the same, uh, you know, love for gear and hobbies and things? Like totally. trying to explain to my wife the difference between fly fishing and like just spin fishing. Yeah, it's all fishing to her, you know. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, so what? What is like one of the projects, whether personally or professionally, that you're most proud of? I mean, I'm definitely like super proud of uh, how the mid one has turned out. Um, really proud of like our team. Uh, 
I think we made it like a super competitive and like also just like a great time. That's always going to be my go-to now, I think, yeah. um, unless I'm doing something weird or I want to convince myself again that I want to sleep under a tarp and bivy. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. It's a harder sell. <laughs> oh yeah. I think I've, I've gotten rained on enough that I, I'm good, good on that. But, uh, I think truthfully though, like the biggest thing that I'm most proud of, uh, in terms of like us is like the R and D team and like just a company in general. Um, we actually have had a longstanding relationship with, uh, a Nepalese Sherpa, this guy named Ang Lama, who runs a guiding service, uh, out in Nepal where they take clients up Everest and stuff like that. But he has a, like a really close relationship with like most of the, the Sherpas mm-hmm. out there who are like on Everest and a lot of those 8,000 meter peaks. And we actually had the opportunity to outfit like 40 of those guys uh, with custom packs this year, wow. which was super cool um, just to like get packs in the hands of Sherpas, um, especially because like they're so critical to that entire industry. Um, yeah. Some of those guys are, the Kumbu Ice Doctors who like set the route up the Kumbu Ice Fall, which obviously is like inherently super dangerous, but like it just like super cool to be a part of a like a project and just like a, a give back, I guess you could say, yeah. to those folks. Um, and then it's also awesome to see like uh, this guy, uh, Kami Rita Sherpa, who just set the like record for the most number of ever summits ever. And he had our backpack on. I was like, dude, like, that's crazy. That's insane. That's so cool. Yeah. So I'm super proud of that, that whole push that, that the whole company did um, to do that um, for like more ways than more reasons than just one, I guess. But yeah. 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 That's really cool. I guess uh, you'll be heading up Everest next. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think my mom <laughs> would be like, she'd have an aneurysm. Yeah. Uh, um and you know i don't know i don't know the, the big mountain stuff it looks cool but uh i don't know man i don't know there's like a level of uh you know, like risk tolerance that you need for that stuff that i don't know if i've like come to terms with yet yeah. um so maybe one day but i, I don't i don't see that happening I'll, i like to keep my feet closer to the ground yeah. what's your next like personal making project do you have something in mind that you are really itching to create uh, I mean, always, I guess. I guess yeah, uh, dumb question, yeah. honestly. <laughs> no, no, you, no, no. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about making like, uh, some like quilts, uh, stuff like that. I don't know, man. There's so many things that I like. Synthetic, it, like flashes. Or... I, I would, I would probably do down. Um, okay. I just, I, I, I prefer the packability of it and like. I think yeah. the longevity too, but personal preference, you know. Yeah. Um, is that a is that a hot topic or a debate between people at a ripstop or? Uh, not necessarily a hot topic, but uh, I will say synthetic quilts are much easier to make. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Yeah, it's yeah, that is it's not even comparable. No. It's just like. <laughs> after you've sewn like 15 baffles and haven't yeah. even like put the backside on, you're like, all right, dude, yeah. I could have done this in like three stitch lines yeah. if I used synthetic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did not prep you for this question at all, but it just came to mind. What's your personal, what's your personal gear list for like a, I guess three season 
couple nighter, let's say. I'll give you some parameters, so I'm not just throwing you out in the dark of like what's your gear. Well, I, I can share. Season. I can share my lighter pack with you if you want. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Carter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, yeah. What, what's about the parameters though? Sorry. Oh yeah, no, yeah, like just three season, uh, oh. one to two nighter, something you know, not not the town top of Mount Washington, but also not like florida swamp in august <laughs> totally um i mean i think like for the most part like my three season gear list doesn't change too too much i might just bring like a heavier puffy sure. or you know leggings um but i have been using the mid one uh the the tent uh which i really really like i've been using a backpack that's really vague obviously um <laughs> i have a backpack that Surprised i made to hear that, I, that, no. <laughs> I, that, that, I, that i've been using a lot lately which is definitely my go-to right now um i'll use our 20 degree quilt i like to live in a little bit more luxury now so i carry a regular wide uh x light it's way nicer um <laughs> yeah what else uh rain jacket i carry the yamatsumichi all-weather hoodie love this thing to death i probably wore it every day at trail days so is that sure, what you're, you know that's what you're wearing right now yeah right here yeah these guys are based out of uh out of japan um but they make what, awesome stuff what's it called again i'm about to look them up yeah uh yamatamichi i'm hoping that they just one day are like oh they're 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 drop based so it's like almost impossible okay. to get something yeah. uh, so uh i just aspire to hopefully be able to get another one one day when this one eventually gets worn out but uh but yeah um so that's what tent quilt backpack um i've been using like a 35 liter backpack lately um okay just like one that i made um and then what'd you make it out of i made it out of this one's out of dch 50 and 150 yeah uh the backpack i used in the colorado trail was challenge 200 okay but yeah um in black um and then i use like some 79 on for the roll uh drawstring top mm-hmm. but um yeah i don't know rain jacket i have like a, a rab puffy that i use if it's super cold uh like it was a couple weeks ago and then i have a montbell uh x-light anorak that i use um big fan of and then i have montbell versalite pants um I actually just got from a guy named Steve. Who, uh, he has a company called Sulik Forty Six. Oh yeah. He oh, makes yeah. like custom, yeah, the custom titanium stuff, and I, yeah. I splurged and I got the, <laughs> the, uh, the wood stove that he makes. It's like a two and a half, two and a half ounce wood stove. Uh, fits yeah. in like a Tokes Seven Fifty. I have like a Evernew Six Forty, I think that it's it should. It's actually supposed to come in tomorrow, so I'm really excited. Um, nice. But uh. I'm hoping to use that to get on my like you know ultralight bushcraft, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> that is so awesome. I use his but, uh, uh, his tree table. Oh yeah, that. okay. That's no, cool. I haven't actually. I did just see his his uh, his trowel, which looks okay. Actually, like pretty comfortable to to use. Yeah, it's got these like you know brushed aluminum or rolled aluminum handles. So I was like, yeah. damn, his stuff is really place cool. Another one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he's a super cool dude too. I've uh, emailed him a couple times. Um, super responsive. I was trying to see if like this super small pot would fit inside the stove, 
And he's like, well, it's like a millimeter off. And I'm like, do you think it would work? And he's like, I don't think so. You're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was funny. You uh, kind of alluded to it earlier by mentioning challenge. I want to talk about fabrics. Um, totally. And, and once again, I want to balance Josh versus Hyperlight. And um, so one, it's very obvious. Hyperlight loves DCF, um, as do we. We're totally. huge sellers and proponents of dynamic composite fabrics. Mm -hmm. um, but it is interesting in today's today's fabric climate makes it sound way too important than it is. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah. market. Yeah, today's fabric market. Um, it's interesting that companies, especially pack companies, are using DCF still, which is really cool. So just chat about that. How did you? First of all, how do you? How did you end up staying with DCF so much when? There's a lot of a lot of fabrics that exist, uh, and and what do you guys like about it? So, uh, as far as like the history of the company goes, like Mike and and Dan started the company in 2010, and before they even like sold the backpack, they had made I don't know 15, 20 backpacks and sent them up and down the AT and the PCT, uh, got like tens of thousands of miles on them. You know, really, especially like in 2010, like you know DCH. Like pretty new fabric, yeah, very new. <laughs> uh, so they wanted to like do their due diligence to like make sure they like had something, um, and they did. And obviously, like long term testing came back, and they were like green light, let's go. So I think that still stays true today. Um, you know, we know that, that that DCH works for all of our purposes, um, and like while we're always messing around with new fabrics, testing new fabrics, we always want to make sure we're doing our due diligence. Um, and I think too, like with our longstanding, um, like relationship with, with Dyneema, uh, or DSM, Avian now, uh, we like, we were in a, like a, a more unique situation where we like, were able to like put the time to like do long, long-term field testing on it, um, before just like, you know, saying, Hey, we're going to sure. go one way or the other, um. But I think, like, as far as DCH goes, like, I still really like it. Uh, I think, like, it crinkles, which breaks down, breaks in eventually. But, I mean, that's, like, a such a minute thing to me, um, the, the, the noise. And I, I did notice with the, uh, the newer challenge stuff, too, the Ultra X, uh, it kind of almost has a similar sound to it. Um, mm -hmm. But... Yeah, you know, I think I think DCH is a still a great fabric, and I, I think it's still is still very relevant today. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah. especially when it comes to to DCF and ten fabrics. But yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think the the shelter side of things is um, it's just a no brainer, right? I mean, like the your your sill polys are going to be great, uh, but they're going to be great to a weight, <laughs> a certain weight, and totally. then you're going to break down. But like, there's no I don't think I'm getting in trouble by saying this, but there's, there's no remote comparison to a 0.5 DCF shelter or 0.8 even like there's nothing that strong, that waterproof and that lightweight to use your, your triad at least. Totally. No, I, I, I completely agree. Um, and I mean, it's great to see innovation, uh, yeah. in the market. I think that's super valuable. Um, so yeah. Yeah. What do you think is missing? If anything, like what do you, what, what fabric are you like, but this still doesn't exist. Or like this fabric is good, but it's missing this aspect. Totally. Uh, man, that's tough. It's like funny. Cause like, you know, 
10 years ago, they were like, it was like what? You had some DCH, but it was like mostly what, like 500D Cordura, 1000D Cordura, and then you might have had like VX21 or something. Yeah. And like now we have so many different variations and like so many different weave types and all this stuff. So there's so many options out there. What do I think is missing? Uh, I mean, there's, there's always holes to be filled. It'd be great to have like a, a waterproof breathable um, like DCF. I would love to have that um, for like for like a more alpine style tent or something like that. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I think like like there are some really great waterproof breathables from like Pertex and, and stuff like that. Like this is made with Pertex. I can't remember exactly what it is. And it like actually functions very well as a waterproof breathable. But I think even still like their weights haven't like come down to where like 70, not like rips up nylon for like yeah. quilts have and stuff like that. Um, which obviously like there's like a trade off because sure. the jacket, you're going to tear it up if it's super lightweight, but um yeah, I would love to see more more of that stuff, but I also think too like it'll 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 all come like the the way that like innovation happens and like ad- advancements happen. It's like what exponential is what they say. So yeah. who knows in like five years, ten years, like what? Yeah, things we didn't even think of will probably yeah. be around. You know. Is there a fabric that's really exciting you personally now? Like that one that you really want to make with for your own gear? Uh, I mean, like our, our, which is like not new by any means, but we have a 375 near fully woven Dyneema, which is like, I mean, I, I personally am not a huge fan of the term bomb proof <laughs> <laughs> just cause it's so, it's like used so much. Um, yeah. But there, there was a post on like ultralight Reddit at one point where someone was like, if you don't put, or it was like the next person who calls their gear bomb proof has to put like a claymore in it and like do a video <laughs> of the explosion. Uh, but I think like, honestly, like the, the fully woven Dyneema is like probably the closest thing you could get to like mm. having something relatively successful to, uh, to that. Um, yeah. but I mean that stuff's, we use that on the head wall on the prism and that stuff's, you know, it, I, I don't think you could blow a hole in that thing if you wanted to. Um, it's it's so durable, um, yeah. but expensive. So yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get like semantics right or whatever. So when you say DCH, <clears throat> so mm. well, our users are most used to, used to us hearing Dyneema composite fabric and then saying like two nine two or five zero or uh, the weights because that's how we sew most of our stuff. What do you mean when you totally. say DCH and what does that encompass? Totally. So DCH is just uh, like dynamic composite fabric, specifically the hybrid version. So like gotcha. uh, any of our fabrics with the polyester facing. So we have the 50D polyester facing, which is the 3.5 ounce DCH for us. Mm-hmm. And then we use 150D uh, DCH, which is 5.0 yeah. DCF. Um, whereas like DCF 5, DCF 8, DCF 11, those are all, you know, 0.51. Point eight. Although you know the weights, you go to different sources and like DCF eight is like point seven five, point seven four, point eight. So yeah. it's all in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there, that that, but... that helps. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, as much as you can tell us, what's coming up for for Hyperlight? 
I know you just released a huge product, so I don't mean to be, yeah. be greedy in no, the product world, but you know, no, you're I have good. To ask. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, we're definitely um, branching out into more um, activities. I think I can say that. Um, nice. And we're also still staying true to, you know, the backpacking, the ultralight, the through hiking, all that stuff, um, which obviously with the launch of the mid one, I think that hopefully is yeah is shown. Um, you, guys, uh, you all there pretty nicely i mean that's i would imagine it's gonna be a huge totally. part of your your consumer base there <laughs> yeah 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 um you know i'm i'm really excited for for what we have coming down the line and even what's like slated for you know after that so yeah i'm 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 excited nice what does that look like um like organizationally for you all to branch into new places like what what kind of in like a weird game of chicken and egg what comes first do you all partner with a professional that's in that scene do you all see market share and then kind of be like oh the i'm making this up i have no inside knowledge for anyone listening like you're like oh fly fishing super untapped that's why we got to make an ultralight pack there like what i mean i know this is going down to like the business development route but like what is that how do you all how do you all decide where you're going to end up um it's like hard to say. Uh, I mean, like sometimes we'll like work, like we work with Cody on the head wall, for example. Um, so we'll do that. But I think also too, like we use not only like our insights uh, in the company, but I mean, it's really just like a very collaborative process. Like we yeah. have us in R and D and marketing and like, you know, finances and, and, and shipping. Honestly, like everyone truly does like work together like in real time um and everyone does impact the whole thing which i think is like really cool um we're all pretty tight-knit here um which is awesome uh i really appreciate that i'm like good friends with with everyone um not that i'm like you know i just popular guy in I'm Kansas, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no but uh but yeah, no, I mean, I, it, it really comes down to like everyone, everyone's like collaborative efforts, uh, yeah, which is awesome. I mean, like in in, I I think like if you were to like look at you know, um, like a much larger company, for someone in, who's in R and D to like say that like one person is like actively making, you know, uh, decisions that like impact the the uh, the final product like in such a way that we are like in the r&d room um i think that's like a little more it's not as common in in, in bigger companies yeah. so it, like it's nice to feel like every everyone's super valued um and everyone makes a makes an impact yeah i think this is probably an aspect that a lot of people would like to hear more about um i mean we get it some at trail days and, and we're um we're like lower in the food chain if you will like we're we're further away from the finished product than most people that you meet at trail days or in the outdoor industry because you're making mm -hmm. gear that people then have a connection to but we're making the thing that people make gear that then have a connection to you know it's so like we're we're totally. a further away uh so a lot of people like even but we get it like oh you guys must have like the coolest job you get to like work with like gear all day and stuff and we're we're kind of far away from that because if we're doing our job we're working with the the fabric a lot more than the gear then you make the gear and then we right. hear you guys and we're like that's super sick but for you what is it like what is it like working at a hyperlight in this like post cottage world where like you do get to sit down on a sewing machine what about the other 
uh, you said roughly a quarter and, and you know don't feel like you have to stay to that true to that number but like other 75 percent, what's it mm. like working with gear seeing people through hike with stuff that you've designed people seeing people ski down some of the best ski descents in north america with stuff that you've designed totally um i mean like first and foremost it's just like very cool to like to like even just like see it out and be like wow i like like for example uh i think cody had a picture uh of him with with the head wall on and i was like he like posted on instagram and i was like dude like that's crazy yeah. like i i talked to that guy before and like <laughs> had an impact on that backpack so like what um so that that's it's like almost like a surreal experience to a degree uh which i think is really cool but sorry what was the rest of the question i kind of hyper focused yeah, no, no, it wasn't a very good question i just started rambling no 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 honestly. <laughs> um but yeah what, oh, I mean, we, do you, like what was the what's the other aspects of my job is that what you're asking like the other 75 yeah, percent i guess what else what else or how what's it like to work at a company where you're you're hands-on but you still are getting to produce thousands of, of quantities like what's it like to work at a at a hyperlight because i guess i guess what i mean but i say like what is it like to work at a hyperlight it's not uh, you know, what are the hallways painted like and has your coffee? It's like, what is it right, like to work right. at this figurehead of like, you guys have spearheaded the ultralight community. That's like one of the, the biggest mainstream ultralight packs that exist. You can get an REI. It's, you know, uh, it, it, it hyperlight means something more than the company name. It's like, oh, this is a huge entity that's like broken totally. out of, that's gone beyond cottage and now mainstream. What's it like to work there, I guess, is kind of the broad, the broader picture, the, the question I'm not asking well. <laughs> to me who's like someone who like came from like the outside world of like you know not like gear design and stuff like that it's like just like a like flat out just like surreal um mm -hmm. super cool though to like be so deeply entrenched in like this thing that i personally love so much um i value it a lot um yeah i don't know i think it's just like it's just a crazy thing to me. Like I like find myself thinking about it and like thinking back to like before when I was sitting at a desk, you know, talking to people on the phone about X, Y, and Z at my old job. And I'm like, a lot has changed, man. And like, I don't know how, how the hell I got here, but I'm glad I did, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I feel very, very, very lucky, uh, to be a part of it too. I think like you said, like it's bigger than just like the name now. Like it's like a, uh yeah no the, like the brand is like a it's like this this thing that lives you know yeah so it's it's very cool to like be be a part of that and like actively you know work to making that thing that thing grow yeah yeah, yeah. um you probably can't answer this. So just like blink twice. If hyperlight's going to make a running vest, that'd be great for me. No. <laughs> I'm not going to blink at all. <laughs> um, Isaac, I forgot to look at you and see if you had any questions. Just steamrolled over you. Do you have any, anything to ask Josh? Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, did you finally get to the AT? <laughs> oh, I, I did. Yeah. I, I, okay. I hiked the AT in 2021, um, nice. which was an awesome time. I would highly recommend it to anyone. Um, I would do oh, it that's again right. you, you said that tomorrow. Uh, you did say that. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it was a good time. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Do you have any plans for other long distance trails soon? 
I mean, always, you know, there's always the, the dreams, the, the, the dreams. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Nice. We'll see. I'm, I'm I'd like to, I'd like to get back out there. Yeah. Sorry. I'm I'm big into canoeing, so my my like dream is the Boundary Waters, you know, or like oh, nice. going up to Had, Canada. Um, we actually, uh, oh man, it been 2019, 2018 or twenty nineteen. We had a couple folks from Hyperlight go with some of like the uh, the folks who are like kind of within the circle, I guess you could say, um, of people who work here, and they did a trip in the Boundary Water Boundary nice. Waters, which is really cool. Um, have you heard of the, I, I'm going to butcher the name. I can't remember it, but it's like, it's this canoe trail that goes from Lake Champlain to the Atlantic ocean, like through no. Vermont and like New Hampshire and Maine. And apparently it's like 700 miles and there's only like 40 miles of foraging the whole, the whole way. That's pretty. I can't, it's like, <laughs> I, it's like the North, the Northern, the Northern woods and water. I can't remember. It's something like that though. I would just type in like, New England long distance canoe trail. I was on the long trail in 2020 and this guy was telling me about it. I was like, what? <laughs> but yeah, super that, cool though. That reminds me of another question that I like to ask people and they're based in different places, but um, you're a New Englander, Hyperlight's based mm-hmm. in New England as well. Do you feel like your design and like your design changes at all based on where you are from? Like your experience in the whites and in New England specifically, a ridiculously totally. wet, <laughs> wet climate. Do you feel like that changes the way you design anything? Right. Um, I don't know. I I think it like it definitely like influences it to a degree. Uh, you know, I'll probably think about condensation a little bit more, or you know, just like weather resistance. Not that like. You know, it's not like we were up on like the divide or something like that in like sure. some gnarly like monsoon over here, but like it does get hairy up on Washington for sure. Uh, but you know, I mean, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people are never gonna camp up there, uh, and if you are, it's like in the winter and you're bivying and like, I hope to God you know what you're doing. <laughs> but uh, I was up on Mount Washington, I think three weeks ago to the day. And it was actively mm-hmm. snowing, and there's six inches of snow on the ground. It was <clears throat> June seventh oh, or dude. whatever. Like, what's going on? <laughs> well, I think this is actually the. I think I saw that it's the snowiest year on record uh, on Mount Washington, which I was like, well, that's crazy. But yeah. uh, we've been getting a lot of rain. I, I think yeah. you guys have two down south. Um, yeah, but it's definitely been a very wet spring, which like hopefully is great, but it'd be awesome if it kind of, you know, stopped raining on the weekends and just did it during the weekdays. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to go out and have a good time backpacking and not get rained on. <laughs> it's a good thing that you have that, uh, that waterproofness on your, your, uh, triad. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. Design. Yeah. Very valued, especially up here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing I've noticed with that, with that question is uh like I've asked a ton of people like hey does design change based on where you live and uh, one thing I've noticed a lot of, uh now that I've asked it a bunch of times is that I think I think fabrics are starting to minimize the differences there like I think ten years ago like we talked to Dan Durston about like the new pack the new pack that he released last year and then the X mid like a hugely popular tent um and a lot of those things 
like with Sil Poly being readily available now, not just Sil Nylon, with laminates being fully waterproof and not like, I mean, like uh, HDP grid stops, really good fabric, but we don't have to make packs out of it anymore. We don't have to make stuff out of Cordura where it's just going to like get sopping wet. Like it's starting to level the playing field where like, I think maybe 10 years ago, you did see a lot more variability in design based on what you had to have because you you had to make concessions and that those concessions seem like they're getting smaller, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I think like, especially like you said, in pack fabrics, like you, you don't have to really worry about having either a, a rain cover or like B, you just have to worry about your, like your backpack getting like a pound and a half heavier the moment <laughs> it starts raining, which like I've had happen like yeah. with, 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 with some, some fabrics and you're like, man, like I can feel this. And then the worst thing is too, is when, you know, especially like in the early days when I was making my own backpacks, I didn't put drain holes in the side pockets and you get back to the car and you're like, Oh, there's like a liter of water. That's why it's so heavy. So yeah, you know, yeah. learning moments, you know, as you're, as you're getting started, but, uh, but yeah, uh, especially intense too. I think the, the Sil Poly thing is super interesting. Um, we had, I had run into Ron from MLD, uh, last year at CDT days and had talked about, about that with him. And, um, it was interesting to hear his take and then also to see him, he swapped most of his tents, I think, to or most of his Sil Nylon mids to the Sil Poly. I think he has like one. It might be like the, the super mid that he's keeping in in Sil Nylon. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Sil Poly has definitely become super super popular yeah. uh, over the last couple of years. Rightfully so, too. Yeah, yeah. Do you see Hyperlight doing any like Sil Poly? stuff eventually or do you think that dch or dcf i guess in that case is uh is where you guys will stay you know i don't really know um i don't know if that's something that i I can even really answer um i think i mean we're always testing different fabrics out and stuff like that i think we would just have to like come to a conclusion that like a makes more sense than b or vice versa um especially for, for us uh, and like our, our, our customer. So yeah. I, I, I can't say one or the other. Yeah. yeah well, and yeah. I don't like, I guess in some ways it doesn't make any sense right now. Like the, the price is not that important and there's no reason why you shouldn't use DCF or yeah. The, like a lighter weight right now anyway. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean like, I, again, there's like totally positives and negatives sure. to both. I mean, there's, there's different use cases too. Um, so, and I'm, I mean, I'm, obviously very aware of that you know if you're going into like some you know winter mountaineering thing i wouldn't necessarily take a 0.51 yeah <laughs> ccf 10 out but yeah. hey you know but yeah so in uh in kind of closing here just to wrap up what's uh so I find it really cool, really cool that your education, your background isn't necessarily in textiles or whatnot, but you've still found a way to be pretty dangerous with textile knowledge and, and design and everything. Um, for people that are just scouring our MYOG and trying to learn as much as they can about fabrics and, and make the best choices possible, what sort of tips, tricks, recommendations would you give to them to uh, really get all the fabric knowledge they need? Totally. I mean, I think like, utilizing the the subreddit uh even like like don't be afraid to reach out to to like other makers uh i reached out to when i was like first 
you know, getting started making stuff, I reached out to Matt from Redpaw and he gave me a lot of great insight just about machines, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, super cool dude. Uh, talked to Liv from uh, Almonds Right. Super cool dude again. Um, him and his wife were awesome. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid to reach out to people and ask questions because like some things are like hyper-specific and like odds are like there's someone who's done the research like between RMYOG, Backpacking Light, I mean, even if you go on like Slinkfin's website, Slinkfin has like a like a research doc about the effects of UV, you know, on sill nylons and sill polys over the course of however much time. So, I mean, like if you if you really want to like nerd out, like it's out there. Um, but yeah, that and also if you're gonna go with DCF, um, buy a roll Tyvek. I wish yeah. that I had done that earlier, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there were so many times where I made like a $70 backpack at home where like $65 of it was with DCF. And I was like, you know, this one ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> wish I did it at a tie pack, yeah. <laughs> but you know, learning curves. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Josh, thank you for spending some time with us. It's really cool to, to pick your brain. It's great to meet you at Trail Days and now continue the, the conversation. So, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing this time with us. Totally. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, again, it was awesome to see you guys again. Um, great to meet you at Trail Days, too. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we uh, all stay in touch. <laughs>